Welcome to the Intentional Abundant Life Podcast. I'm your host, Sasha Star Robertson, Jesus freak, mom blessed by adoption, wife, wonderluster, and your intentional living and biblical mindset coach. If you're here, you're likely a busy woman wearing multiple hats, the most important of which being child of God and mom simultaneously. You have a desire to live more intentionally, striving to be a good steward of all the gifts that God has given you, and you want more productively peaceful days. Well, you're in the right place, sister, because that is exactly what we do here. First, building on a foundation of faith with purposeful priorities while mastering our mindset and implementing simple self-care. So mama, grab your coffee or strap your kiddos in the car seat and let's jump into today's episode. Hello, sisters, and welcome back to another episode of the Intentional Abundant Life Podcast. I'm your host, Sasha Star Robertson, and I am here with another special guest today, Courtney Lohman. She is a wife, a mom, a speaker, and a podcast host. Her time as a high school and Bible teacher, missionary, and discipler has convinced her that women have an absolute need for discipleship and mentorship, and I could not agree more. She wished that she could share her own mentors with others, and that is what led her to start the Journey of Ruth podcast. Each episode reflects her mission to help women love Jesus, read his work, and teach others. The weekly podcast episodes, full of targeted conversations, wisdom, and plenty of laughter, have grown to reach a global audience. Courtney enjoys living out her mission closer to home as a volunteer alongside her husband in their church's college ministry as a speaker and a discipler of young women. Courtney, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for being here. Do you have any more that you would love to add to that powerful introduction? <laughs> well, um, I've never been accused as being of being short with words. And so I feel like that's how my bio goes too. <laughs> you know, some people have like short, succinct, two sentence bios. And, uh, I, I that was probably shortened from like a two page, uh, diatribe that I went on. <laughs> I said, think that's, uh, that's relevant for a lot of podcasters, right? We can verbally yes. process and that's why we have podcasts. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Um, I live here with my husband and my two boys and my two boy dogs. So to say that I am the only, I'm really the only female in our home uh, here in Phoenix, Arizona. Um, I am in a house. I have my own business. My husband has his own business. So we are entrepreneurs and, um, but we do, we love serving in our church, serving the college kids uh, together. And I love doing my podcast. I feel like it's something that God has called me to do and, um, he encouraged me to, um, start it along with the encouragement of my husband and, um, where I'm very happy to see kind of how he has grown that because to say that he has grown it, it it's not because of what I've done. It is for sure because of what he's done. Awesome. Amen to that. I feel like in that same boat for sure. I'm curious, how old are your boys? My boys are four and seven. Okay. 
I always think it's interesting when people serve college age or like, you know, youth ministry, because I know how I was as a teenager (laughs) coming from a non-believing home. And Uh so teenagers are like a bit terrifying to me still (laughs) because of how I was. And so I always am curious, like when people are serving that age demographic, is it because their kids are in that age demographic and that's what brought them there? But that's really, really cool that your kids are younger and you're serving in that capacity. So, you know, my um, parents always said they were excited about us going to high school and it's because they have been told so many times when we were younger, Oh, just wait till they get to high school. And my parents, like almost like their own little rebellion were like, yeah, I can't wait until they get to high school. It's going to be so much fun. And so they couldn't wait. And they really did that. Like when we were in high school, they had all of our friends over and we were the place where everybody would come on Thursday, Friday, Saturday nights Mm -hmm. and hang out. And they opened our home to our friends and we enjoyed our middle school and high school years. Um, but both my husband and I have a passion for discipleship and mentorship. And you talk about, uh, a you know, field ripe for the harvest. A college ministry is a great place to find kids who are looking for mentorship because they've just stepped out from underneath the umbrella of their parents and they're making big, like big kid decisions for the first time in their life. Yeah. And sometimes it's nice for them to have somebody else to talk to other than mom and dad. So we get to be those people, which is really exciting. Yeah. That's awesome. A couple of things. One, I know I was just reading this as an encouragement, like a couple of months ago, it really encouraged my heart that it talked about you're actually raising your teenagers between age two and 12. Yeah. And if you Mm -hmm. like build that foundation and like train them in the way that they should go at a younger age there, it's totally different. And so that gives me hope and encouragement Mm -hmm. for my kids when I get to that point. But I also love what you said about your parents. Like your house was the hangout. And it's like, that's how I want my house to be. Like, I want to be the mom that drives the kids to the movie theater, the roller skating rink or wherever, if roller skating rinks are even Mm -hmm. still a thing, I think it's coming back (laughs) Still a thing. We have one really close to our house actually right now. So awesome. (laughs) Yeah. And so I love that, that your, your house was the hangout and you loved it. And they were just committed to having fun with their teenagers. And so that that's an encouragement to my heart as well. Yeah. I know you were talking about, um, a little bit in this like college ministry type stuff that you had found yourself like in a position where you were mentoring these kids and they were coming to you and like sharing things with you. And you were like, wait, what is this? But then you had realized, like, it was obvious to you that, that, they needed a mentor. They needed somebody to walk alongside them. So do you want to speak any more to that? Yeah, absolutely. So my first realization of the need for girls, young girls, I mean, it's true for men too, but I'm going to speak with girls in mind because if a guy comes to me and needs mentorship, I don't do that. I Mm. send them to my husband or to another man that I trust just as, I mean, you know, men can disciple women, women can disciple men, but it's usually better (laughs) done with the same gender. So Mm -hmm. just put that out there. So with young girls, I was actually a high school choir teacher for about five years. And I did not work at a Christian school. I worked at a low income public school and I would have these girls that would come into my office and they would, um, sit and talk with me about really heavy life things. And 
part of me said, okay, like, I love that you're talking to me about these things. I I'm honored, but is there no one else in your life that like knows you better or that you should be talking to about these things? And I, the, the truth is that it was truly an honor because they saw me as one of them once came in and said, you're like a mom to me. And I was like 24, no kids, not even married. And I was like, whoa, 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 don't throw around the mom word. But she meant it as, as a, a title of honor, you know, and, and basically they would come in and I'd have the opportunity to speak truth into their life. And it being a public school, I didn't quote scripture necessarily. Well, you know, this is what the Bible says, but you know, that every, uh, truth that I was telling them was based in scripture. Mm -hmm. And when I would talk about things like the way that a man should treat them, if it was, you know, a boyfriend, girlfriend issue, or the way that they should respond to their parents when they got home about the way they had treated them (laughs) or, you know, whatever it was, it's based in honor your father and mother. And so a lot of the truths I was able to share with them were based in scripture. Well, uh, when I left as uh, teaching, I was coming home to do private piano and voice lessons and also stay home with my oldest son, who's now seven. Um, And so, but I was trying, I was praying one day and saying, God, think about the impact that I've had in the lives of these high schoolers. And, and are you, are you sure that this is the direction you want me to go? And cause I can, I can make such a difference. I really could. And God was like, whose kingdom are you trying to build yours mm. or mine? And I was like, okay, that's kind of rude, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> and I really felt like God was just in that time, encouraging me to say, just because you're leaving this position does not mean I can't use you in another way. Um, and I, I also felt like, um, maybe international missions was the direction that we were going to go. And that was always a dream and a goal of, of mine. I had served two years as a missionary in France. And when my husband and I got married, I said, we're going to be international missionaries. And he said, okay, whatever. And (laughs) about two years into our oldest son's life, we did, we did some research and we talked to some missions organizations. And after some really heavy, you know, talking and, and conversations, he came to me and said, I don't think this is for our family. And so once again, here I am talking to God, like, God, I could be so effective as a missionary, but now my husband doesn't even want to go. Where are you going with this? You said, whose kingdom do you want to build yours or mine? And what better way to build your kingdom than to be a missionary? And now that door is slammed in my, my face. Anyway, that discipleship I began to realize was what I loved so much about being a missionary. It's what I loved about being a high school teacher. It's now what I love about working in our college ministry. And um, I love that ability to speak truth into the lives of, um, of, of young women. And so that's why I started my podcast was because I had many people who spoke truth into my life. I wanted to share them with other people. And um, since then, and it said it in my bio, but since then, the podcast has gone on to be listened to on all six inhabited continents. And I, I saw that one day and I just heard God whisper in my soul. He's like this, you thought you were going to be a missionary, an overseas missionary. He said, this 
is your international ministry. Yeah. Right here. So pay attention, Courtney. Yeah. I love that it are, it went there. Right. Cause when I was asking you about like discipling young adults and like how that came to be, I was going to ask, how did that translate into what you're doing now? And so thank oh, yeah. you for sharing that story because so many, I feel like get caught in that of like, okay, this is what you said. And I remember that for myself, like being mm, yeah. like, I audibly heard God speak offer coaching. And I'm like, what does that even mean? Like, I, I had no idea really even what a life coach was at that point in time or anything like that. And so it was really confusing to me. And I had to go back to the drawing board multiple times and just like sitting at the feet of Jesus. Like, what does this mean? Why did you say this? How do you mm -hmm. want me to pursue this? And just show me the way, just show me the steps. And, and I think we can get caught up in sometimes wanting to see the end result or yeah. like, what, what does this look like in the end? But he's just asking us to be obedient with that next step and just to trust him and to learn what he honestly has for us to learn, um, along the way. Mm -hmm. And I, I was just, uh, reading this the other day, somebody had said, um, like God has three answers to prayer. Yes, no, or grow. <laughs> and Ooh. sometimes I feel like it is a lot. It's that grow. I think it was Chuck Swindell is who the, the quote is from, okay. but the grow is often an answer that I have heard in my life. And it yeah. sounds maybe a little bit similar to yours. Yes. Like, no, I'm going to show you a couple of things between now and then. And, and in the end, he did fulfill that, that picture mm -hmm. that he gave you of international ministry. And so how cool is that, that he just yeah. put all the pieces before you and all the steps before you. I know that you're also, in addition to your podcast, a speaker. And so mm -hmm. what does that look like in your life? Um, well, I have a spiritual gift of teaching. And so I love, um, anytime that I get to teach, I love to teach other people how to disciple. I love to teach other people about the Bible. I'm a huge Bible nerd. And so, um, I would love to just sit down with my Bible and do an inductive study for like an hour or two. <laughs> like yeah. I'm fine. Um, you know, I would even love to go to seminary one day. Cause that sounds fun to me. And that's when I'm like, now you really know I'm a nerd. Right. Um, <laughs> so I, part of speaking, what I love to help women see is just number one, the community that's so important to us as, as women. And, you know, God created not individual Christians, but he created a body of Christ. Mm -hmm. And so we are, we are stronger together than we are apart. And so I like to encourage women, first of all, to be finding the women that can disciple them. And then to challenge them that Matthew 28, go and make disciples is not a suggestion, but it's a command. Yeah. And yeah. so we should be discipling, uh, other women. And I know it's hard and it's scary. And it's like, I don't even know what to say, which I get. And we got that so much at my church that we created a discipler training program because we said, then let us train you because this is so necessary for the growth of the body here at our church. So, um, I love encouraging women with that. And then I, I love encouraging them with God's word. And so I'm one of those speakers. I know some speakers have like only things that they will talk about. And believe me, anytime someone says, will you come and talk about discipleship? The answer is 100% yes, because <laughs> I could talk about that all day, every day. My husband says, you know, 
I like doing discipleship and I think it's very important, but I don't want to talk about it all day like you do. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, I do. I do. Um, but I also love exploring scriptures and um, seeing what surprises God has for us. Cause I think it, even if you've been a believer, you know, seemingly your entire life, we know that God's word is living and active. And so I love when I can open up the scriptures with a group of ladies and we can find something and I can give my perspective on it and they go, oh, I never thought of it that way. And I'd say, well, how did you think of it? And they share with me their perspective. I'm like, oh my gosh, I never thought of it that way. And so I just, and you and I were talking about this at the, you know, right before we press record of how we learn from those that we are around when we're as interviewers on our podcast, we're learning from our guests. But every time that I speak, women come and speak to me and I learn stuff from them. So it's just this back and forth. I think ironing, sharpening iron that I love when I get to speak to a group of women. Yes. I love that so much because I agree the the commission to go and make disciples. It's not, it's not a suggestion. Like if you're a yeah. believer, it's your job to do. And I feel like I thought, I see this a lot with mothers is like to make disciples in their home. Okay. I agree. That is the number one thing as a mom you need to be doing is training up your children in the way that they should go. I feel like Deuteronomy mm -hmm. six is very clear about doing that to raise up our children, but we yeah. can't forget that he said, go and make disciples. Mm -hmm. And that, that extends outside of the walls of our tent in our home to bring mm -hmm. others into that space, but also to reach others outside of that. And we can do that through our children and discipling them yeah. and raising them up. But I feel like God gives us such a bigger footprint. And I love that you had said, you know, about how we're built for relationship. We're built yeah. for fellowship and for community and iron sharpens iron. And so, so much in what you said, so well, let me encourage moms that are, aren't sure that they have the time to go out and make those disciples. Let me encourage you to invite them in. Yeah. So your kids are watching you all the time. So when you are taking that time, like I have, especially during the summer when my kids are home and I have time that I'm, I'm reading my Bible and you know, my kids will wake up or they'll come out and they'll say, Hey, mommy, can I have this? And I'll say, uh, I usually try to have a time so that I can, I have some one child who's very organized and needs to know an exact list of what we're doing in the day. And then I have one who doesn't care, but <laughs> you know, I have to say mommy has 20 more minutes of her Bible study time, and then I can get you a snack or breakfast or whatever's going on at that point in time. So for them to see you studying scripture and making that a priority in your life. And I don't want to say making it a priority over them. But that's how it's going to feel to them. Like, oh, mom's not rushing off to get me a, a snack. No, because my time with Jesus is really important. And then I love having my girls over that I disciple here in my home. And I know that's that for some people it's like, oh my gosh, but I have to clean my home. No, you don't. No, you don't bring them into your mess and let them see how you handle that. Bring those, uh, Jenny Allen, who is an author and a speaker. Mm -hmm. She says that. Um, she had girls that asked if, if she would disciple them. And she said, I'm sorry, I don't have any more time. And then she said, you know what, if you'll come and fold my laundry, I'll disciple you while you fold laundry. And that's <laughs> what it. they did. Love right. It. They, she literally brought them into her dirt or her clean clothes into her clean clothes to fold laundry with her and talk about Jesus. And your kids are watching that. So 
you're able to disciple on both ends at that point in time. Yeah. I 100% agree. Invite them in. And it's a beautiful thing too. When, like you're saying, these college age kids or young adults, especially high schoolers, like they've oftentimes only been able to see how their parents parent, how Uh their mom, you know, manages kids and the laundry and whatever else and and how they Mm -hmm. host. And I think it's really cool when young adults can be invited into your home and see how you parent and how you operate and how you engage with your spouse. And they can just get like a more robust picture of like what God has for us in marriage and in family. And like, even speaking about what you had said in terms of like your kids, it's so funny that you say that. Cause I literally had to say that exact thing to my son the other day. It was only five minutes. He's two and a half. I don't think he could handle okay. me 20 yeah. minutes for a snack. Right. He's right. Like, yeah. No, would be all up in my stuff, but I'm trying to like, I don't want to say coach him, but like show him that you know, I, I used to be very, very heavy on, you need to get up before your kids and get your quiet time in, because if you don't, it's not going to happen all throughout the day. But now I'm trying to get him more used to seeing me reading my actual physical Bible and letting him know, like, this is what we're, I'm doing right now. You can entertain yourself for five more minutes while I finish this chapter or whatever it is. So I love that you had said that, one of the things that you had said, you don't want them, you know, it feels like to them, you're prioritizing your time with God over them. And I'm like, yeah, to me, I'm like, that's how it should be. And that's yeah. what I want to teach them. Right. I feel like God gives a yeah. clear picture of like, it's him spouse children. And I feel like with, yeah. with moms, especially newer moms, like it can get so out of whack where it's like, no, serve your kids, serve your kids, serve your kids. Yes. You don't have time with God. You don't have time with your spouse, let alone inviting others into your home to disciple them. So mm-hmm. I think it's really important. I love digging into really helping people find their strengths. If your strength is cooking, invite people in and give them a meal. Like yeah. if your strength is like you, you could talk about discipleship for days. I love that. We need that too, right? We're all hands and feet. We're all, you know, an ears and nose, a tongue, whatever. Yeah. We can't all be the same thing. Um, and so I absolutely love that. I love that you had touched on too. Um, when you were talking about, there's no like greater harvest, like ready, than, yeah. than college kids who are like making these decisions on their own outside of the umbrella of their parents. And to me, like Matthew nine thirty seven, that verse wrecked me last year when, when I was reading it, just realizing the harvest is ripe and there are not enough workers for the harvest. So I think that just goes back to this great commission and how we really do need to be like expanding our tent, inviting others in, using our gifts to really go and make disciples. And that brings me back to the whole topic of discipleship and like teaching people how to be disciples, how to Mm. find somebody to disciple and mentor them, which is your specialty. I see Mm -hmm. a huge lack of this in the church. I know you're talking about, you were a pastor's kid and you had, you had the gift of being discipled growing up, whether it was, you know, forced or not, I'll let you get into that. But I think in the church in America, it's so super lacking, um, that people are not really discipling one another. Um, and I, I think it's important. I think it's an area where we're maybe having a negative impact on the kingdom, obviously, you Mm -hmm. know, God's in control and he makes all things happen for his good. But I would love to hear you speak more to that because I feel like I've multiple times found myself in a situation where I feel like I'm not being discipled or mentored by someone specifically speaking into my life and where I'm at in my life. So take Mm -hmm. it away. Oh man. I I'm like, Oh, 
oh, this and that. And so I'm going to see if I can actually put my thoughts together and not just bounce from like Tigger, you know, all over the place. You know, first I want to say that, that I think college kids is one place where a lot of people say, oh yeah, they need to be discipled. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. But I have spoken to a group of moms with young kids and they are desperate yeah. for someone to come in and mentor and disciple them. Um, I have talked to a group of moms who are experiencing empty nest syndrome for the first time in their life. And they are, are, are saying how in the world, I mean, uh, we're doing the best we can, but gosh, I don't even know how to deal with this. It's just so different. You know, I have seen these, um, ladies go through losing their husbands and, and being at a point where they're a widow alone for the first time, I should say ladies, but I've seen men too. And what do we, what do I do here? And these emotions that I'm feeling, are they normal or are they not? And so this is why discipleship is key. It doesn't matter how old you are. And so the, the, the idea behind discipleship is that we should always be being discipled and we should always be discipling someone. Mm -hmm. Um, I did not create this. So don't, uh, you know, say, Oh, Courtney came up with this awesome thing. Nope. Not me. Uh, <laughs> um, so the Paul Barnabas and Timothy relationship, and mm -hmm. this is, this is scripturally based. I call it a discipleship tree. Um, and, but, uh, those different relationships, basically think of yourself as Paul. Um, and Paul was a, well, I'm sorry. don't think about that. Paul was a person who discipled many people in scripture and you see it throughout his letters. You see, he said, I trained this, this man and I sent him to you to preach. I sent you this person. I sent you this person. Sometimes the churches were kind to them and sometimes they weren't, but Paul was someone who discipled other people. So we all need to have a Paul in our life, someone who is, um, discipling us. And I think the reason why discipleship is not popular in the church is because it ain't easy. Hmm. It's just not, if you think about the root word, disciple discipline, people don't like discipline. And that's what discipleship is about is someone is sitting down with you, getting to know you for exactly who you are and helping you be disciplined in your relationship with Christ. They are helping you to, uh, apply some of those spiritual disciplines, prayer, scripture, reading, fasting. Ooh, do we need to get into those, those harder ones? You know, like they are helping us to be more disciplined. Plus, if you are doing the discipling, you're getting into someone's life. And for me, I'm like an eternal, like once I meet you, you're going to be my friend forever type of person. I was also that when I was dating, which was horrible. It was like, oh my gosh, if I go to dinner with this guy, I'll have to marry him. <laughs> Calm down, Courtney. Like <laughs> it's not that way, but it was really important for me to learn that if I'm going to disciple somebody. It is for a season that season could last 25 years, but that season could last two years. It could last six months. Uh, it is for, you are committing to that person for a season. So Paul committed to these men and then he sent them out. And if you think about then, he probably didn't see him ever again. 
maybe once or twice. Now we have the internet and social media, so you can check in whenever you want. Right. Mm -hmm. So we all need to have someone who's discipling us. And then Barnabas was a friend of Paul's. And so they were kind of like side by side, um, if you will. And so Barnabas walked alongside him and we all know, need those friends that have very similar beliefs to us that are in the same place in life. And you can be like, okay, my two-year-old is not potty training. What the heck do I do? (laughs) And she's like, oh, I'm right there with you, sister. Let me tell you this story. And you're like, oh, I got one on top of that. Let me tell you where I found pee in the bathroom yesterday. (laughs) You know, like, oh gosh. So we need those people that are right alongside us to encourage us, right? And so that's Barnabas, the Barnabas level. And then you've got Timothy and Timothy, we see as someone who Paul talks about a lot. Uh, we also see, uh, Paul talk about Timothy's mother and grandmother. So, Hey moms, there we are, right. Timothy, we have as one of the, the pillars of, of, you know, bringing the, um, the new church to the world. And who does Paul mention his mother and his grandmother and says, Hey, I know that they were faithful and they taught you about God. So Timothy is the person that we are discipling and everyone, there is always someone who is one step below you in their spiritual walk. And so you need to have a a Paul in your life. You need to have a Barnabas and you need to have a Timothy. And the reason we call it a discipleship tree is if you think about yourself in a tree, you're climbing a tree, you're back to the age where you actually have the joints to climb a tree and, (laughs) and you can get to a certain level before you're like, okay, all right. I I don't want to go any higher. It's too high or whatever. But if you will look in the spiritual, in the, in the discipleship tree, there are people all around you. Mm -hmm. And there are people right on the same level as you encouraging you. Like you're doing a great job. Hey, can I give you this little suggestion? Maybe put your foot there. It'll give you a firmer foundation. Um, you've got people above you that are reaching down and you're reaching your hand up so that they can help you get to that next branch. And then you've got the people below you who need your help. They need you to reach down and help them get to that next branch. So when we look at the picture of discipleship, like there's no reason why we shouldn't be participating in discipleship. We need it. We need to give it. It's necessary. And without it, we can feel really lost. And, and in the past where I've seen that happen is people are like, I need help. I need advice. So they put it out on social media and I'm like, Ooh, is that really the best place to ask that question? Mm. You know? Okay. Maybe if you're like, you have a closed group of social media and you really trust the people that are on your social media, but I'm not some of those parenting things that I'm asking or things about marriage specifically, Mm. I'm not putting it on social media. I'm going to call those that disciple me and say, can you give me your honest opinion here? So that's the discipleship tree. And I think my hope and prayer every time that I talk with women is, Hey, find a Paul, find a Timothy. And I don't know if you were going to ask me, uh, um, we talked earlier about the play process that I created. Um, and that's because women would say, well, Courtney, that's great, but how do I even find it? How do I find Mm -hmm. someone to disciple me? How Mm -hmm. do I find someone to disciple? So I actually created 
the play process, P-L-A-A. Yeah, I know that's not how you spell play, but <laughs> I, couldn't, I couldn't figure out a why. So, <laughs> so you've got pay, P, which is pray. Um, you've got L, which is look. So you're going to pray that God would lead you to someone who will disciple you, or you're going to pray for someone to disciple. You're going to look for that person in the circles where you already are not, you don't need to go out to somewhere else. Got most likely that person who's going to disciple you or that you need disciples already in your life. So mm-hmm. you're going to look, then you're going to ask, you're going to ask them to coffee. You're going to ask questions. Um, you're going to sit down you're going to have a good conversation, get to know them a little bit more. Then you're going to act. And a lot of people get scared because they think that act piece, which is when you say, Hey, I need a little more leadership. Would you be willing to walk with me as a disciple for, you know, the next couple of months? That's where people think you start. And that's not where you start. That's scary. If you start yeah. there. Right. But if you've prayed for this person, you've looked and given, made a list of people that you would be okay with discipling you. You've asked one of those people to coffee and felt really comfortable with them when you're having dinner or on a play date with them or whatever it might be. When you say, Hey, would you be willing to walk alongside me in some discipleship? It doesn't feel so awkward. Like, a, like you're doing some kind of business cold call or something <laughs> like that uh, for discipleship. So people can actually, that's a worksheet that I created and people can go to my website, journeyofruthpodcast.com slash download. And so there you can actually download that and start walking through that. If discipleship is not something that you have in your life right now incredible. I love that. That was going to be a question that I asked you okay. to point out was about <laughs> this worksheet that you have for yeah. us to download. And would you say, like, I think some of your examples, um, were mostly like about asking somebody to walk alongside you. And so is it, is it only like an upward thing? Would you say, or would you say you could use this same worksheet and same process, the play process for finding other people to disciple? Yes, absolutely. It works both ways. Um, and I think it, uh, now I'm trying to remember what the the language is on. I think I left it very vague because I wanted it to be able to work both ways. Awesome, man. You just had covered so much in there that I'm like kind of the same thing. Like, let me look at my notes to make sure I'm (laughs) bouncing all around, but I love this picture that you painted of the discipleship tree. I've truly never heard of this before. Mm. Um, and so I'm, I'm super excited about it because I feel like when I think of being discipled, right, I do believe it's like a flow where you need to be discipled and then you disciple others, but I've never looked at it as like the Barnabas relationship. Mm. And Mm -hmm. so that's what you were talking about. Like the social media where people reach out. I feel like so many times they're reaching out to the Barnabas and it's just, I just want to create this echo chamber of like people who feel and want to like gripe about the same things as I do. And like, I feel it's, it's a very toxic culture, especially in motherhood that you can see Mm. like in social media about this type of stuff. And so I'm thinking, and that's why Barnabas is so important because it's not an echo chamber. Right. So like I, my Barnabas is, I have lots of friends. If I was to complain about my husband, on online, they might say, Oh, you go girl. Yeah. You yep. do you, you like, you know, you're a strong woman, but my true Barnabas is will mm-hmm. say, yeah, I, I think you're right in that, but let's, let's check your response. Or sometimes they say, yeah, Courtney, I actually agree with your husband on that. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, what? You're my friend. You're supposed to cheer me <laughs> on. Yes. Right. But a Barnabas, yeah. somebody who is 
helping you with your firm foundation is not going to be afraid to say you are wrong in this and Mm -hmm. I love you, but, and that's, that's what we're encouraged in the Bible to do, right. Is to help each other point out the, the areas where we are weak and, and yeah, that's why sometimes social media can be hard because it is an echo chamber sometimes. Yeah. And that's the other point that you had made that I was going to bring up too, was that like, I, I believe just like you had talked about earlier with like the relationship and the fellowship were truly meant for that, but you have to have a relationship with somebody. It requires trust for you Mm -hmm. to be able to be somebody to speak, um, like, and correct and rebuke like your brother or sister. And like you're saying, sometimes you'll have a friend who's like, I, you know, I actually agree with your husband. Like you're getting too up in your perceptions and your feelings and whatever else in this. And like, he's right. He is speaking true or, or whatever else, but Mm -hmm. somebody on social media saying that to you, that you don't have that intimate relationship with, and that trust and and Mm -hmm. true fellowship with, it's not going to be received well, even if they mean well. And I've, I've seen this so much, whether it's, you know, like you're saying somebody on social media says something about yada, yada, and, and people just get triggered and flare up when it's like, this is a sister in Christ speaking to a sister in Christ. And, and, and I'm reading it as like this outsider. And I'm like, I honestly agree with the girl who made that comment, but this, obviously the original poster is a little triggered. So you have to have Mm -hmm. that trust in that relationship. And I think that's so that's the reason why like true discipleship is so important because you have to be intimate enough to know actually what's going on in each other's lives to provide, um, wise advice to a certain extent. And I I was sitting next to my Barnabas during Bible study the other day. And our, our Bible study teacher, uh, said, can you guys talk about one of your spiritual failures in, you know, in your life? And I said, you want to share mine and I'll share yours. (laughs) I love that. That's how well we know each other. Right. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And like, I've been in that same situation where I've like, I've got close friends that I would say are like, they are my Barnabas. And there've been times like my husband just like was on my nerves and like, or really had upset me or whatever else. And I'm on a walk and I'm, you know, venting to this friend as we're walking around the track. And she, and she was that friend who's like, well, you know what? Like I, your, your emotions are high, but like, remember scripture calls us to X, Y, and Z. And I'm like, <sighs> like I was, I was frustrated. Right. But I uh, knew because of our relationship, like she was speaking truth and love and it was for the yeah. betterment of myself and the betterment of my marriage. Whereas I very well could have gone on social media and been led astray by people who are like, you do you girl, like, no, stand up for yourself, Mm -hmm. whatever else. So Mm -hmm. thank you for pointing that out and, and bringing that up. And I love too the other thing that you had said that like discipline is the root of discipleship and, and for some reason, I've never made that connection. And that's why people don't want to do it. Right. Like people don't want to put themselves in a position to say the hard things, even though we need to hear, Mm -hmm. but then also sometimes people don't want to be put in the position of hearing the hard things or like having that correcting and rebuking person in their life. Because I mean, our culture is just, it is this American culture. You do you and like whatever else, the the amount of things that are acceptable and normal. And I'm using air quotes for the listeners here are just, um, obscene these days. So Mm -hmm. it is, it is about discipline and well, and I think we're called to be different from our culture, right? Yes. We're, we're called to Amen. be in the world, but not of the world. And that that's one of the reasons why it's important to 
make sure that the people that you're surrounding yourself with in this community, I, I am a proponent of the people that you hang out, out with should not all be of your own faith mm-hmm. because we cannot be fulfilling the great commission. If everyone that we hang out with is a believer. Yes. We can't be making disciples if everyone is a disciple. <laughs> so that is a call to us to get out and, and make friends that, that do not have the same belief that we do. But that does not mean that that is the person that you're placing in a place of discipleship in your life. Mm. So, so you need to be having those friends that when, when you're having a conversation with somebody, you start to have like these questions like, well, is that how I should be responding? Is that how I should be acting? You can go to these people that do have the same beliefs as you do have the same, um, you know, uh, relationship with Christ and can say, I can see why you might think that, but let's go back to scripture and remind ourselves of what scripture says about how we should be responding or whatever it might be. And, um, you can go, okay, that was of the world. And this is of scripture. You know, this is what I need to be believing because of my faith in Jesus Christ. So I, I I do want to say that, that as we're talking about relationships, you should have relationships with people of all faiths and, um, and God's going to put those people in your life if you'll ask for them. Um, but just make sure that the people that you're allowing to have influence in your life, we're a world of influencers right now Mm. and make sure that the people that you are allowing to have influence in your life are worth that influence. Yes. Amen. Amen. I love it. So we know your podcast is journey to Ruth podcast. No journey Journey of Ruth of Ruth. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yes. Okay. The journey of Ruth podcast. I know you had mentioned, um, you can visit journey of Ruth podcast.com. Um, also slash download to get that free play download to figure out how do you go about finding a disciple, um, somebody to disciple you, where else can people find you if they want to connect and hear more of your speaking and what you have to share about discipleship and everything else. Yeah. So I'm on Instagram and Facebook at journey Ruth. Um, and that's our tag, both those places. I, once again, like you said, the website is a great place. Um, and we just, I don't know, I try to show up on Instagram, uh, and all the new episodes are there. Uh, we also have a Patreon community. So patreon.com slash journey of Ruth. We've got a, a closer knit community, uh, there that talks about discipleship and does, uh, bi-monthly zoom meetings and that type of stuff. Awesome. Yeah. I love that. I've not ever, um, been on a Patreon community. So yeah, I might have to check that out. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. Last question before we jump off is what does intentional abundance mean to you? So it's interesting. Cause I look at those two words, intentional and then abundance. And I don't know that I had thought about them together until I was introduced to your podcast and to that title. And I thought, Oh gosh, And it makes me think of what scripture has promised us, (laughs) right? Um, It has promised us abundance as, you know, he's given us, uh, what is it? Uh, Joy joy more complete. No, see, now I'm not remembering. Uh, Anyway, he has promised us abundance. Now, obviously that is in context of his will and his word. Um, But 
I think so many times we're not intentional about seeking that abundance Mm. and we are a house of entrepreneurs here. And so my husband is always running numbers. So if you think about abundance, it's probably going to be associated with like business and business deals and money for him. And mine is going to be the amount of hours that I get to spend talking to people and teaching. And, and so what does abundance, it's going to look different for each one of us, but that intentionality I think is really key to not just let life happen to you Mm. because you're not going to find, you're not going to find abundance if you're not being intentional, what is abundance for you and how can you find it today? Um, it's not just going to happen. We have to be intentional about what we're seeking and how we're living out our life if we're looking for that. So it's, it's a great name. Well done. <laughs> Love it. Thank you. It was all God. It was hey. all God. Like he, awesome. he spoke those words to me and I was like, um, okay. And I like, you know, played around with it a bunch abundantly intentional, intentional abundance. And he's just developed it so much over these last few years. And I love asking guests because I feel like it just provides a more whole and robust understanding, especially in the context of scripture and believers, because all of my guests are believers and, and really speak to that. So yeah. Thank you so much, Courtney, for all this information. I know that it really spoke to my heart and encouraged me like in the area of discipleship um, and just thinking about discipleship in terms of that tree. Um, Thank you for the download that we can have to figure out how to find somebody to disciple us and to disciple Mm -hmm. others. And just reminding us of truth that like, we need these relationships with people to really truly be discipled and that it is it is discipline and it is a discipline. Um, so thank you so much for your time and for sharing your heart with us. And I hope you all, all the listeners as well, have a blessed week. Thank you. It's been wonderful.